Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Let's Hash It Out podcast, your one-stop shop for innovative tech, blockchain, and cryptocurrency. Today, I have Sean and Guthrie from the company Node40 to discuss crypto taxes, and they're going to be breaking down what you need to know about crypto taxes and the tool they've developed to make crypto hodlers' lives much easier. So without further ado, let's hash it out. All right, guys, welcome back to the Let's Hash It Out podcast. Today, I have with me Sean Ryan and Guthrie Isaac, and I wanted to introduce them, give them a chance to tell you what they're up to. Uh, yeah, so uh, Sean Ryan here, and uh, I'm the CTO and co-founder of Node40. We've been around for about five years now, four, four and a half years, and um, we, we, we started off doing one thing, and we ended up in the accounting world, so we've been doing that for a number of years now. Awesome. Guthrie, do you want to add to that, sir? Yeah, Guthrie here. Uh, I, uh, I've spent uh, the last few years working uh, as a consultant uh, with my company, BPI Consultancy. Uh, I got into the crypto space just a few years ago and have been working on some pretty tough uh, accounting problems uh, that you know I felt were pretty exclusive to a specific client, but found out they were problems that plagued uh, crypto companies in general. Um, so, you know, the way I found Node40 was uh, vetting solutions, working closely with some pretty uh, top tier accounting firms to find uh, those solutions that could really serve uh, enterprise uh, customers with you know, crypto in their uh, operations. Uh, but time and time again, gaps were too material to really make use of. Uh, finally found Node40 and uh, we just totally aligned right away. Uh, I currently serve as their uh, chief chief strategy officer uh, um, outside of my consulting uh, firm. And uh, today we've made a lot, a lot of progress in being able to build and solve problems for folks that uh, really are suf suffering and need that guidance. Uh, and so, yeah, um, looking forward to covering some of that in more detail today. Awesome. Yep. And so if you guys haven't picked up yet, we are going to be talking today about crypto taxes um, so we've got a lot to, to unpack. So let's go ahead and, and kick it off. Um, so for folks on this podcast who know nothing about crypto tax policies, either from the personal perspective or if you're in business, it's even more complicated if you own a crypto based business. Um, so what are the key things people have to know at a high level if they're just getting to an understanding of what the world is like from this regard? Right. Um, so it's it's funny. I, I I like Guthrie to take the piece about um, how businesses would handle taxation. Right. Um, but I can tell you that there are a couple of key things that everybody should be aware of. One, it's it's okay to be confused. All right. This is a very confusing sector, and it's not just because taxes in general are confusing. It's because cryptocurrency taxation is confusing due to the IRS's lack of clarity on it. Now I know they've right. released some guidance in 2014, which was wonderful. For 2014, but technology evolves and it always evolves faster than regulation. But in this case, it's evolved to the point where there are certain questions that are remain unanswered. You can't even there's no gray area there. There's just simply no answers, and that's 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 hard to deal with. So number one, I say definitely it's okay to be confused. Number two, I would say seek expert help. And 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 when I say expert help, I don't I don't mean go to your accountant and ask them about cryptocurrency. Go find an accountant that knows cryptocurrency. Not all accountants understand it, and they push off to those that do. Uh, mm -hmm. There are lawyers out there that specialize in digital currency um, tax law. 
and, and, and I know some of them. They're brilliant and they're really fun to talk to. So there is help out there. So that's number, number two. And number three is arm yourself with knowledge, right? And that's, that's, you, you, this is what I've been doing for years. And I know this is not practical for most people to do, but this is, this is my business. So I'm constantly reading about the state of the regulatory industry. Um, I'm listening to accountants and I'm listening to regular consumers, day traders that are saying, this is my situation, help me. And so I, I get a lot of input from a lot of, a lot of people, and there's always a common theme. It's confusing. Who do I talk to? How does this work? And, and, and that's what we try to do at Note40. We provide those answers to people, give them a level of comfort. People like comfort, and that's what we have to offer. But Guthrie, you know, he comes from a, at, a, at a different angle. He, he is right. helping businesses deal with the digital currency world. And actually, that's why we paired up together to help combat the complexity on the business side. So Guthrie, I mean, if you have something to add there, that'd be great. Awesome. Uh, surely, yeah, I think you touched on a lot of uh, strong points there. Um, and, you know, the, and the level of confusion uh, is everywhere. It's, uh, you know, the IRS is confused. Uh, I'll, I'll just say it, you know, everybody's confused. Uh, I, I attended recently a, a blockchain uh, conference for accountants and auditors in New York City. And, you know, the experts, the pros in their domain, you know, like, uh, you know, dealing with fiat, like they, they know their stuff. They know how to, they know how to do a SOC 2 audit. Um, they know how to uh, follow ASCPA, PCAOB guidance uh, to the T. Uh, but I'll tell you, there was a clear sense of uncertainty uh, among every single person there. There was nobody there who had this in the bag. Um, and that's generally the position you have to take as a business owner who wants to be, uh, you know, wants, wants to get ahead of the curve here, uh, wants to find ways to uh, make crypto useful, wants to, uh, you know, be, be, be a cutting, cutting edge service provider in various regards. But, you know, so many things come up new every day, like um, tricky, tricky situations. And the best we can do um, is find folks or, or, or make decisions and, uh, a way where you can support your assumptions in a conservative manner um, in some cases. Other cases, as long as you can feel like, uh, you know, AICPA will likely move in this direction in a couple of years, you know, once, they, once the IRS gets their um, head, head wrapped around these complexities, they will likely move into this direction. But, um, you know, uh, some of the things I've seen, uh, and just to give you an example, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough call. Um, one of my favorite examples is um, uh, a company that I've worked with who has a lot of elements of an exchange. They manage a lot of uh, customer uh, assets. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you think about holding, you know, a customer's Bitcoin, um, you know, you have that balance on your books. Uh, you know what your liabilities are. You can track it. You can do the usual thing. But what happens when that Bitcoin gets forked? Mm -hmm. Are you going to like go and engineer your way into allowing your customer to be able to get that asset? Um, you know, that takes time and there's tons of forks. If you don't do that, um, you essentially could have millions of dollars sitting there. Uh, and if you follow FinCEN rules uh, in the state of California, for instance, um, if you uh, are a custodian and you come across some funds that you don't know who they belong to or you can't reasonably provide to the customer, you have to send it to the uh, Sacramento, and they'll deal with it. Right. But you know, are, are you really are you really going to try and send uh, 
dozens and dozens of forked assets over that way. Um, so just uh, kind of in summary, give you a highlight on the position we took. Uh, essentially, if the company was not willing to engineer a way to provide those assets to uh, their customers within one year, they would simply ignore it. They wouldn't put it on the balance sheet. And from an ethics perspective, they wouldn't touch it themselves. Uh, however, uh, if they were willing to provide that access within one year, it would go on the balance sheet uh, and customers would be notified and uh, we would, would ensure that we follow through with that uh, uh, as, as stated. So yeah, tons of interesting examples like that, but at the end of the day, you really just got to get comfortable and uh, really support your decisions in a way that, you know, when it comes to it, um, can you defend yourself? Right. And I think that's the challenge of, of being in this space right now is that even as a consumer and as a business, you know, even with the professionals that are, you know, really on the bleeding edge of this, a lot of it is at, like guesswork about how things will be evaluated. There's not really uh, necessarily a well-established precedent on a lot of these things. So it's it's a judgment call. And that's why, you know, at least for my in my personal situation, you know, dealing with taxes on crypto, like I'm not a trader per se, so I don't have that volume. But even just a few transactions in a year is very confusing and stressful for people. Like I speak for myself and I say it's very stressful. Um, and I'm sure many other people listening to this feel the same way. So, you know, with the rules that aren't clear and the difficulty with infrastructure not there to give you a nice statement that tells you what you have to put on your, your tax return, uh, what tools do you guys know of that are out there to help yeah. people with this problem? Yeah, it, 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 this, is a, this is a good question. Um, so if you look back... I guess don't go it alone, right? Don't try to do this yourself unless you truly are an expert in this area and you feel confident that your decisions are correct. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are doing this themselves, but I don't recommend it. Um, maybe that's biased, but it doesn't matter. There are professionals out there that have been dealing with this for years. So the, the evolution of Node40 Balance, which is our product that, that handles this, it, it came out of a personal need of uh, my, myself and my co-founder, Perry Wooden, we were accepting digital currency as payment for our invoices. So we had a business need to understand how to pay our taxes. We were new into the entrepreneurial world. Um, we wanted to abide by all rules. And um, when we went to our accountant in the, in the early years, he said, okay, we have all these invoices paid to us in digital currency. Uh, what do we do? And obviously, Confusion, like that's where that's the the the, the go to answer. I don't know, or I know yeah. enough that it's, it's it's property. So, just to cover our own uh, liabilities, uh, I went back to the office and I I just dove into the property laws and uh, the IRS codes that affect property and how how that it works. It, you know, it's basically bartering, right? So, um, I wrote an internal application to handle our own internal needs so we could file properly. There was the, the motivation behind the product was not, hey, I want to make money. The motivation was I want to stay out of jail. So right. our product is focused exclusively on doing it the right way. And we learn we lean in a more conservative way. Now, we've tweaked it so you can choose to be less conservative and take a higher risk. But ideally, the defaults are it's a conservative um, perspective. So if you want to feel comfortable about your taxes, if you want to feel comfortable that you've calculated things the proper way, what you really need is a printout, or maybe it's a PDF, but a, a, a printout of your activity. I bought here, I sold here, 
I moved it over here. I exchanged it for that. Dates, times, and then you assign U.S. dollars. Really, that's once you once you get out of the crypto world and into the U.S. dollar world, it becomes yeah. more familiar to you. And that's what our product does. It goes from virtual currency, it gives you a virtual currency representation of your taxes, and then it converts all of that line by line, piece by piece into the U.S. dollar equivalent that you can just hand right over to the IRS agent who's going to be auditing you if you're ever audited. It's just that level of comfort is what we strive for. So you want to make it less stressful? Make sure that you understand what you did so then you can articulate that to the IRS. Right. That makes perfect sense. You know, and to the, to the point that it's a, f a full process of going through and evaluating each individual time you moved crypto, you exchanged crypto um, for another, et cetera, all those sort of cost basis processes That's right. um, that affect property, um, keeping track of those throughout the year. So do you guys have strategies or, or recommendations in place for people to, to do that throughout the year? So they have enough yes. in place as a system to go to, into tax time? Yeah, avoiding taxes or minimizing your taxes or being able to uh, estimate your taxes really comes down to understanding your trades. So if you're educated on January 1st, your entire year ahead of you is based on, okay, how is this going to affect my bottom line? Oftentimes we get customers coming to us in January, February, March of la for, to talk about last year. I'm like, well, you've already traded. So what we can do is we can tell you what you did but ideally, you would have been behaving in such a way to understand your tax liability to begin with. So as far as strategies go, um, understand what is acceptable from the IRS perspective on property. There are, there are competing opinions out there, whether FIFO is acceptable, whether LIFO is acceptable. There's a whole host of other inventory control mechanisms. But what we focus on at Node40 is, yes, all of those, but plus um, what I think is the gold standard is specific identification, which means that, you know, this is a very simple example. Let's say you buy one, bit, you, you acquire one Bitcoin uh, every day for seven days. And then on the eighth day, you sell five of them. So the question becomes, what's my tax liability? Well, did you sell the first five? Did you sell the last five, right? Is it FIFO or LIFO? Or mm -hmm. did you sell something in the middle? You sold one on Monday, you sold one on Tuesday, you sold one on Thursday, you kept the one on Wednesday. That's specific identification. And knowing... Knowing what you're actually trading can help you understand your tax liability. And, and, and knowing that ahead of time is important. Right. And that's why at, at Node40, what we do is we have an unrealized gains report, which, which tells you, here are, all, here are all the pieces of your digital currency that you haven't spent yet. And if you were to spend them, here's how much gain or loss would be on them. So, so you can actually use that to say, oh, in that case, I want to sell this piece and this piece because that's going to give me a loss. But I don't want to sell this piece over here because that's going to give me a huge gain. And, and it really comes down to the information that you have in order to make good trading decisions. Gotcha. So when, you know, as a user of Note 40, um, you know, just give me an overview of your of your product, you know, how it works. Is it something that you use throughout the year as a consumer or as a business? Or is it something that you kind of you come to it near tax time? Yeah, um, there's two camps, right? There's the, there's the camp that just wants to pay their taxes every April. So they're going to come to us usually around March. I mean, we see a massive spike. You know, we, we, have, we have various spikes throughout the year. The biggest one is always in March. And it's so stressful for me, right? As, a, as an owner of the company, I'm like, okay, we just got an influx of customers. We, na we have to make sure we're, we're up and there's no bugs. Um, but but th so there's that camp that just wants to pay their taxes. Um, but then there's also a significant camp of people that use it throughout the year 
And that's due to wanting to understand their estimation, estimated taxes at any point in time, right? The more insight you have into your tax health, your, your, your financial health within your own portfolio, the smarter decisions you're going to use, right? It's, it's akin to having a portfolio at a brokerage. Every once in a while, you can log in. Most people log in to check how much money they have, right? But sometimes if they're about to you know, sell a bunch because they, they want to, um, you know, I don't know, buy a house, buy a car, something, yeah. they just reach out to the broker. Hey, what should I sell in order to get this? We don't have that here. Right. right. You are your broker. You're the person who has to have all the information. So using products like Node 40 helps give you that information to help you guide your decision making process. So, yes, it's a year round product. And then we have some people that use it just once a year. Awesome. So, you know, to start using it, uh, what's the process to get signed up? What information do you need to provide yeah. to get in that and uh, yeah, fill me in? Yeah, virtually none. Um, we, we don't we know the, the space, the cryptocurrency space, especially when we got in there. It's um, a lot of people that took privacy really, really personally, right? So Definitely. in order to sign up and create an account with us, we need an email address. That's it. And, okay. you know, you, you, it doesn't have to be your name at, you know, yahoo.com or gmail.com. It, it's usually something obscure. And that's the only information we need about you. Um, aside from that, we do need your trade history, right? So right. There, you, have to, you have to import your trade history into our system. Now, that's, we make it very easy for linking to exchanges. Um, some exchanges are much better than others. Coinbase is an outstanding exchange to do business with from a, from a technical perspective. Um, right. There are other exchanges, which I, of course, can't mention, that are horrible to do business with because their exchanges are just, their APIs are just simply garbage. Um, but there's nothing we can, we can do about that. All we can do is, is try to ease that process. So you Definitely. either either linking an exchange through like an API key or signing in through OAuth. Uh, in some cases, there's no automated process and you have to go to the exchange, export your data, and use our system to import that data. But the nice thing about our system is once we have all the data, then we can start linking different sources to each other because it's important to realize that there are taxable events and then there are non-taxable events. A taxable event is when you exchange one currency for another, Bitcoin for Ethereum. Now, I, I understand that is a very hot topic and, and, and some people feel very strongly that what I just said is complete hogwash. Um, yeah. But regardless, right now, the IRS is considering it taxable. So let's just assume it is. Okay, so taxable. When you dispose of it for cash, that's taxable. What's not taxable is if you buy digital currency on an exchange and then bring it down to your personal hardware wallet or to you know, other wallets that you control, software, paper, whatever, um, that's movement from one place that you own to another place that you own. That, that's not taxable. But it's important right. to realize the cost basis gets assigned when you first receive that digital currency. And then as you right. move it around, that digital currency, that cost basis has to continue with you, right? Now, it gets really tricky here because when you do move digital currency from one wallet to another wallet, to an exchange to an exchange, there's always that network fee, right? So there is a tiny piece that you're giving up. So if you buy one Bitcoin and you bring it down to your wallet, you're not going to get one Bitcoin in your wallet. You're going to get right. 0.99999, right? So you're going to get a tiny piece of Bitcoin. No, I'm sorry. You're going to get a big piece of Bitcoin, but the tiny piece is you literally are spending it. You're disposing of it. So you can consider that... Um, you, there's going to be a gain or a loss on that little fraction piece. And that's, that's, that's what we, we track. Um, whether the IRS cares right. about that, I don't know. I care about that. Remember the origins of Node 40. So I stay out of jail, right? Right. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, from a business perspective and Guthrie, feel free to jump in here. 
um, you know, keeping track of your balance sheet and keeping track of all the important stuff in terms of reporting is even more important from a business perspective because all those things are very, very tightly controlled and monitored. And so if you're accepting crypto within your business, all those cost bases and things have to be have to be tracked even more tightly than I would say even a consumer. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to touch on that um, and the, the, the power of the uh, cost basis um, tech that Node40 has really uh, can be leveraged, whether you're an individual who feels, you know, I, I've made plenty of money this year, I can I can bear the burden of an extra tax bill or a, a company, you know, like a company, a CFO being able to see what their options are and being able to legitimately track and uh, just shift assets around. Uh, you know, if you got a bad year and you need you need a little a uh, little bit of a tax benefit going on, uh, yeah, you get, you have the freedom to do that, um, and it's 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 really important. And uh, uh, there's definitely um, uh, you know the more your business gets involved, or even as an individual, the more you're uh, exposed to crypto, uh, the better your financial optics are. Like the more likely you'll be able to make far better decisions and uh, how to. Uh, mitigate risks of issues uh, ahead or 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 or, or uh, prepare for uh, an array of uh, different types of um, uh, uh, life events that you you know otherwise wouldn't really have any control over if you just simply look at your crypto and file once a year uh, I, I, uh, I I've gone into some co- um, clients where literally about five years of, of being in business, they have had no real understanding of their financial optics, and they really just got by because their crypto assets, which they're mostly exposed to crypto, have just uh, just exploded over the last few years. And um, you know their business really got by on that, and they felt convinced that you know they were profitable, and you know they were everything was fine, and uh, all it was all dandy. But you know I've spent about six months there restructuring their uh, crypto accounting, uh, uh, finance and accounting infrastructure. And we realized, you know, really what's happening here, you know, there was, there was some, uh, unintentional dip, dipping in customer assets. There was, uh, 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 uh an un, un misunderstanding with regards to what was actually revenue and what wasn't, I'm sorry, I, I broke up there for a second. Um, uh, uh, but what I, what I, what I was getting at was, um, uh, finally being able to get a grip on your uh, financials uh, with such exposure in crypto uh, proved really uh, critical for this company in particular. Um, once we found out what their runway was, what, what once we figured out what their uh, burn was, what their true expenses were, what their true liabilities were, uh, we made some pretty big decisions uh, uh, to, re- to restructure the organization uh, to where today, you know, they're doing uh, very well. They made some really smart decisions, and it was all because you know they 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 b- built out their financial optics using technology like Node Forty and using uh, best practices that have been that are being developed by the experts out there. That best practices may not be uh, um, fully vetted, but uh, you know in their purest form uh, are proving to be uh, repeatable and uh, useful across companies uh, uh, as we as we as we go on. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's one of the big tricks here is that I think people don't, it's almost like you avoid paying attention to it because it's a difficult, confusing and stressful topic. So throughout the year, you know, you're like, I'm just going to make this trade and I'm going to do it blind and I'll figure it out later. Right. 
you know, and for people that do volume, that's dangerous, but also for people who don't do volume, it's still dangerous because it could be the difference between, you know, several thousand dollars of in, in taxation between one decision or another. That's right. So that's definitely the, you know, the value prop for something like Node 40 is to have something to help you make those educated decisions. Am I right on that? Yeah, that's, that's really important. You know, knowing what you're going to be facing down the road is very helpful when you're making a trade. Gotcha. So I wanted to touch on the actual um, policy side or the law side of how you make decisions in, in crypto. So for people listening that have crypto that are trading crypto, um, you know, how can they help avoid paying that max tax bill at the end of the year oh, by right. leveraging certain strategies? Yeah, uh, that's the good question. Um, so what we what, I referenced it before the unrealized gains report. Um, this is what what your current holdings are um, for every single piece. You know, as you move currency over and over again, you spend currency. What you, what happens is you spend you spend a big chunk, and then you get a lot back as change, right? So if you have one bitcoin and you're going to buy something that's you know point two bitcoin. Uh, you're going to get 0.8 back as change. So you have these, these they're, they're called unspent transaction outputs, all the things that you have that you haven't mm -hmm. spent yet. Un, un, so as you use digital currency or collect digital currency, your UTXOs build up. So you have lots and lots and lots, even though if you have like, I have one Bitcoin, but it, it consists of 300 UTXOs. Like that's what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, it's important to understand that each one of those UTXOs has its own unique cost basis. And when you spend each one of those UTXOs, there is a different tax liability for each one. So you, you take a single transaction that you're spending, you know, one Bitcoin. If that one Bitcoin is made up of 300 UTXOs, you literally have 300 microtransactions, each with their own gain or loss. So one transaction can have both a gain and a loss. It's kind of a, an interesting phenomenon. Um, but that's because of the way we think about a transaction, where really we should be thinking about the microtransactions that comprise that major transaction. So that being said, if you know what the cost basis is of each one of those UTXOs, you can look at them and say, well, I have to spend 0.2 Bitcoin. So I'm going to spend this one, this one, this one, and this one, and this one, because that's going to give me a loss. And so knowing where you stand, that those optics that, that Guthrie was referring to, the more optics you have into your own holdings, the better decisions you're going to be making. So if you know you have to sell Bitcoin in order to pay your tax bill or, or to do anything, to buy a car or house, like I said, and then um, you, it's really important to know what you're going to be selling because you might need to be selling a heck of a lot more just to cover the taxes at the end. Right. And, and that's, you know, tools exist to do that. And I, and, and I shamelessly keep coming back to Node 40 balance because that's that's a tool that we use in order to make those decisions. We, we, we're, we, we dog food this stuff. Like we use our own tool to make our own financial decisions when it comes to digital currency. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, first of all, it's a good vote of confidence for, for what you guys have to offer. Um, that being said, um, you know, so what is for someone who might want to use Node 40, right? Pick it up. I know we're well into the year for, you know, for taxes, et cetera, for 2019, but if someone wanted to use that, what is the uh, the cost model for that service? Is it a monthly fee? Is it a every time you generate a report? So where yeah. do we stand on that? Right. So um, first, I wanted to touch on a point you said. Uh, we're well into the tax year. We are, but most people file extensions for digital currency to then say, sure. I'll buy myself six months. So that's actually coming up on um, October 15th. So right now, we're seeing a, a small spike that's going to grow over the coming weeks. 
for users needing to figure that figured out now. They've pushed it off. Now they now now they have to pay the pay the tax man. Um, but the pricing model is is yearly. Yeah, no, we we don't want to be bothered with monthly. It's it's uh, it's confusing. It's a lot of work on our end. Uh, so no, we have we have various tiers. So you can get in for free. So if you want to see if it's even going to work for you, um, we offer a free tier because you know if you if you pay a bunch of money up front, it doesn't work for you. Then we have to issue a refund. Uh, nobody likes that. So um, get in there, use the system. Uh, it's very limited, the free version, but it's enough to know whether it's going to work for you. And once you've made that decision, you can um, buy the package at $75 right now um, for the year. Um, and that's going to give you just about everything you need as a, as a retail consumer. Um, but if, you become, if you're a high-frequency trader or you have needs that go beyond your standard taxpayer needs, uh, we have a professional version. Uh, like it's, I think we call it unlimited version. That's um, right now going for $225 a year. So these are these prices are are we did a we did a full tax year of price discovery and we feel like this we, we offer a very competitive fair um, price and and we offer things that more beyond just um, just a product more accessible you can call us up uh, literally there's a phone number on our on our page you can call us up and get a hold of somebody um, right. and I, in fact tomorrow um, I'm not going to say who but I'm talking to somebody who just wants to know did I do it right in the last year. I'll, right. I'll talk to you and tell you if you did it, if you did it right, according to like the, the way our process works. And then you can decide if you want to use the process. So, so it's the customer services really is just top notch. We, we pride ourselves on that. Awesome. That's definitely good to know. So, I mean, for, for anyone that's listening right now that feels completely overwhelmed with the taxes, I've been there and I actually still am there because crypto keeps changing and, you know, I don't. I actually avoid making trades sometimes because I'm not sure what the implications are. So I think having a tool like this is very powerful um, to have that knowledge before you make that trade, what the implications are. Um, but I did want to touch on one other point um, that was interesting on the tax front, and that is that I'm sure many people saw that the IRS sent out letters to uh, its seemingly random group of people. I think it was probably more likely people that were on Coinbase early on um, that ended up being exposed through that through that avenue. Um, they sent letters out to crypto holders and Canada has also done the same thing. Um, so what are your thoughts on that in terms of the what that means for other people who didn't receive that letter but know they have crypto? Yeah, I I I, <laughs> I, I do have some opinions on on the letters. The um I, I, I feel like Coinbase is kind of often used as a punching bag. Uh, and, and I, and I, and I yeah. feel I feel bad for them because uh, in this case in particular, I would say these letters did not come from Coinbase customers. Interesting. Um, they, I'm sure many of the letters are, are, are re were received by Coinbase customers, but Coinbase is not, and this is important to note, not the only source of data going to the IRS. There are lots of exchanges. So Coinbase may, have be, may be the most famous because they were issued the John Doe summons, but really... Other exchanges kind of freaked out when they when when Coinbase was served, and Coinbase did what exactly they should have done. They went to bat for their customers, and they tried to negotiate with the IRS and said, "No, I don't want to give you everything. Let's see if we can give you a subset if you insist." And so they did broker a deal where they 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 got a subset, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the other exchanges jumped on board immediately and said, "Well, I want to get out in front of this." And so the 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 agreement that they made with the IRS Coinbase was to issue 1099Ks to the customers who qualified for 1099Ks. Now, in order to qualify to receive a, a form 1099K, which is information reporting only, has nothing to do with your tax liability in a sense. It's just letting the IRS know and you as a customer know what happened on an exchange. 
So the 1099-Ks would be received by people who had taken part in uh, at least 200 transactions and, not or, but and $20,000 worth of received um, value uh, in, in U.S. dollars. So that was a much, much small, smaller set. So the other yeah. exchanges got on board. They started issuing 1099-Ks as well. Uh, I know of one exchange, at least, that has decided to go beyond the 1099-K and into the 1099-B realm, which is probably a more, um, more accurate representation of what happened um, within, your, within that exchange. So they, they've decided to go with, a, 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 the, I think, the country's largest 1099 filer to issue 1099Bs. More expensive, but it's more comprehensive, and they, are, they believe it's more accurate. So they're way ahead of the curve on that one. But as far as, you know, that's, that's who I think got the letters. People with okay. a lot, anyone, just, just because you have Coinbase in there doesn't mean it was Coinbase's, uh, the genesis for the letters were from them. The letters themselves are scary. All right. I, I, I would be very concerned if I received the letter because the IRS is essentially singling you out and saying, we're pretty sure there's something going on. Now, I, I don't like that about it. I don't like that the letters do not definitively say, this is what we know. This is what you should owe. They're saying, well, we think there's, there's three versions, first of all. One version saying, we think you don't know how to pay your taxes. Another version says, we think you know how to pay your taxes, but you probably did it wrong. Uh, and the other version says, you probably did something wrong um, and you have to respond. And well, that's you, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, the, there's a, this, so this, the letters are six one, the letter 6174. That's the, we think you don't know what you're doing. Letter 6174-A is the one that says, you tried, but we think you got it wrong. <laughs> and, but, but no more information. Both of those you do not have to respond to. All right. That's just them. That's really a scare tactic. Um, but the third letter, that's the scary one. Letter 6173. That's the one that says, we're pretty sure you did something wrong here. We don't have any, in, we don't have any return of yours for the last, from 2013 to 2017, that shows that you did you're reporting any digital currency, but we know you have digital currency, or at least we think we do. So the letter does give you the benefit of the doubt. They says, well, all right, if you think you did it right, sign this affidavit, write us a letter, give us a narrative and explain what it is you did and give us your trade history because we want to verify it. And then they say, and then you sign this under penalty of perjury that you're not trying to do anything nefarious. And then you send that in and they say, well, we're going to check this against your bank, your financial advisors, and um, what was the other one? Oh, other sources of information. So we don't know what other sources is. Yeah. We, I don't really know how they know who your financial advisor is, but it's, it's, it's definitely scary. If you got a seven, uh, this, this letter, I, I would be very concerned. And that's when you definitely want to reach out to companies like ours, even if you don't use ours, just reach out to somebody. Um, right. Inside the letter. next question is what do people do if they receive this? Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to add, uh, add to that real quick. Um, it's a the, the in my opinion, it's it's a, a pretty bold move uh, by the IRS. And uh, you know, there's a scary side, and there's also like, you know, what's really going going on here. I mean, uh, I imagine they're putting a lot of resources in being able to to, to try to identify uh, those who may be um, not totally in line with what uh, they should be doing uh, from a tax perspective. But um, at the same time, like it, it, if, I, if, I, if Coinbase sends a, a document about my uh, financial uh, position from a crypto perspective, 
that's only like a tiny piece. Like I could be all over the place. How uh, I, I really want to see how the IRS tries and tackles this. Um, uh, and, you know, it's so unknown uh, what with what regards to where they could be. But I mean, the truth of the matter is um, if we think about the Binance hack that happened, uh, you know, even today, we're still uh, uh, seeing that massive amount of crypto that was pulled and just like trickling through the system, trying to get in, uh, get in on exchanges without being noticed. But, you know, th there is that clarity there, but it's also really hard to get that total picture. I mean, I, I, I will say that I work with a lot of folks and um, even with very forthright, conservative and uh, uh, honest citizens out there, it's even hard for them to get the total picture there. So, yeah, I, I definitely um, uh, think it's a scary letter to get, but I'm also curious as to how the IRS is going to try and uh, solve that problem of, you know, legitimately getting that total picture. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, Guthrie, thank, thanks for bringing that up. It, it really comes down to how you, you use multiple exchanges, multiple wallets. Having information from one of those, Guthrie is absolutely right. It's a tiny piece of the picture. And, and that's, that's why, um, because I use multiple exchanges, my company uses multiple exchanges, and we have um, hot wallets and, and, and cold wallets, we put that all into kind of one ecosystem and we track movement from around. So when the IRS says, well, we think you owe this because this is the one piece of picture we have, say, well, no, here's the missing pieces over here that you didn't have. And you can track it on the blockchain. That's the beautiful part of Bitcoin or blockchain in general, is that you can point to a public ledger, is, which is immutable and you can say listen look at here i'm showing you this is the trail i'm not making this right. up and that's what's really nice it, it that does give some level of comfort to people who are receiving these letters as scary as they are you you still have to do something about it you can't ignore them definitely and, and so the recommendation then is of course to go and find not just a professional but someone who is a professional in understanding and advising on crypto yes. taxes right because yeah. it's definitely it's a niche skill. Yeah, there's there's nuances, and and I can give you an example from the letters. There, I have all I have all the letters. You should see my table right now. The the, <laughs> the, the letters allude to pieces of uh, answers to questions that have not been answered. So if you look at the 2014 um, memo, they they tell you that well they don't they don't they don't speak to whether an exchange of one digital currency for another is taxable. That's been an outstanding question that people have been trying to answer for a long time now, many years. So we know that section 1031 of the IRS code, which says, you know, property transferred um, for like kind, um, that's like kind rule for another piece of property is not taxable. In 2018, that changed and they removed um, any ambiguity and they said, listen, it's real property. So when you, when you transfer real property for real property, that is a like kind event and that's not taxable at that time. You can defer liability. Um, but the question is, before 2007, before, before 2018, were trades for Ethereum for Bitcoin, were those taxable? Did that apply? Did the like-kind rule apply? Lawyers uh, in, in, in law firms that are quite well-respected, accountants in law firms that are, you know, you know talking top 10 here, they, they feel like they can make an argument. Some, some feel like they can make an argument that like-kind rule does apply. So if you look on our website, um, we do allow you to opt into a, a like-kind calculation. But now these letters, they just drop it in there and they say, for example, a taxable event is when you transfer 
from Bitcoin to Ethereum. That is taxable in these letters. So they've, they've dropped in these little pieces that most, most people don't recognize. They don't say, oh, wow, they just, they just dropped the bombshell here. Well, in my mind, that's a bit of a bombshell because now they're making clear or clearer a point of contention. So, and then there's other ones too. Look at, look at so we, we, know, we know people are getting 1099Ks, right? So the IRS has made an agreement with the exchanges to accept 1099Ks then why do each one of these letters talk about Schedule D? Schedule D is for reporting gains and losses of capital assets. Well, where does the data come, fr come from that goes on Schedule D? Well, that comes from IRS Form 8949. Where does 8949 come from? It comes from 1099B, not K. You can't do anything with K. So the IRS is kind of contradicting itself by issuing these letters and accepting 1099 case from the exchanges. I understand why they've done it, but it's just confusing people. Yeah, no, that is mind bending because then, you know, I think that's the, the big difference here is that people don't understand, you know, even if you didn't receive a letter, like if you didn't receive a letter, you still want to understand why people did. Yeah. And you want to understand what those letters mean so that if for some reason you were to receive one, and we don't know whether or not more people will receive them. Well, the IRS, the IRS says that there are going to be about 10,000 letters issued by the end of this month. Um, okay. Now, they, they say, I, I forgot what the wording was, but they didn't say 10,000. They said about 10,000. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, cool. Their number. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally, you would look at that and say, well, that's a, a small number compared to the total number of people who we presume have been involved in, in digital currency. For sure. But it's a large number in terms of just how many people are now going to be asking questions that we don't really have answers to. Yeah. I, one question is what happens to my trades before 2013? I mean, look at the letters. They clearly say we don't have tax information, but for at least one tax, they couldn't even tell you what tax year, but, but, but at least one tax year between 2013 and 2017. Okay, IRS, what Bitcoin's been around since 2009. Was that all tax-free from 2009 to 2012? Like even even that the letters just inject a bit of confusion into the system. Yeah, definitely. No, and I, I totally agree. So I, I mean I think as we've we've kind of unpacked all of the stuff that's happened with the IRS, what they have said, what they haven't said, um, you know, Congress is another interesting place where crypto is being discussed, right? So this morning I read an article about uh, congressman from New York, uh, North Carolina, Ted mm -hmm. Budd, who put a new bill out there that's basically a make taxes clear for people <laughs> act, if you will. Uh, and so it would end double taxation, handful of things. I know we've seen some of those bills come through and end up dying pretty quickly. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see legislation coming through that gives at least a little bit more clarity in the next I, X number I, of months? I think we have an inherent lack of understanding of cryptocurrency within Congress. And, and I, I understand why it's not their fault. I mean, it's a complicated topic. But yeah, the, the, the piece of legislation you just referenced, I mean, that it, it doesn't make anything clear. All it does is trying to say the like kind rule does, does apply. But it's, it's going to make it apply from the date the act is enacted, not retroactively. So you still have the big question of what happens retroactively. And it looks like there's a sunset clause in that bill for December in 2024. So it looks like it's a stopgap. There, there are other bills out there that I, that I think are really good. I, I think the Safe Harbor Act, um, I, I can't remember who, who put that forward, but the Safe Harbor Act is nice. It's saying 
Um, and, and, but it's limited. It's, it talks about only forked currencies. So if you are a recipient of a forked currency, then um, it doesn't matter what you do because we're not, the IRS hasn't told you yet. So there's a safe harbor saying until the IRS makes clear what these problems are, you're not going to be criminally liable for misreporting because we haven't told you how to report. That's a good bill. I would, I'd like it to go a little farther and say, uh, not just sport currency, but all digital currency taxation, you, there should be a safe harbor until the IRS comes out and says, this is how you do it. I mean, that seems like right. it's only fair. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say too, though. Um, like, uh, sorry. Um, the the point that Sean made, you know, there's, there's just a general lack of understanding. Um, you know, my in my day to day, I am in like the middle. Like, I'm I, I, I'm around, you know, surrounded by brilliant uh, blockchain engineers. You know, brilliant talent, folks that really understand it. You know, uh, some even that I would say have a present day understanding of the internet back in the nineties, you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, mind boggling, uh, some of the things that are on, on the horizon, whereas, you know, accountants and folks who, you know, do, uh, uh, you know, uh, lawmakers and, um, you know, folks who aren't those blockchain engineers, but they are responsible for developing that guidance and developing those rules and codifying, uh, what what we need to take into account to really have that clarity. Huge disconnect, absolutely huge. I mean, it's it's funny. Like the blockchain engineers who do know it so well, uh, I, I often find that they don't even consider problems or even understand the problems that uh, you know these lawmakers and um, are trying to hear. Um, you know, they're 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 both they kind of think that accounting and auditing, you know, it's already been taken care of. There's nothing, there's no need for it anymore, but that's not necessarily the case because the um, broad population doesn't have that kind of understanding. So, you know, I think uh, for, for there really to be true clarity uh, and um, some solid guidance provided, uh, it's gonna take quite some time because, you know, uh, lawmakers and regulators, they don't make decisions based on some information. They have to really understand it. Uh, because they are fully aware of the implications of uh, how big a decision is. You know, if, if, if you're uh, guiding an entire, the entire population of the U.S., like, uh, you've got to be really careful. Um, and, uh, you know, I know, I know there's um, discussions about, you know, should we, should we uh, allow a Bitcoin ETF to exist? You know, should, should, should that happen? And a lot of the comments are, well, there's no real motivation to let it happen because if it did happen and it went great, then we probably wouldn't get the credit. But if it happened and it didn't go great, then we would get all the blame. So there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, who are making these decisions and are trying to wrap their heads around it to ultimately provide that clarity that we're all asking for. But I just think the gap in understanding is so far. And I, I, I would be surprised, honestly, that, maybe a crazy estimate here, but five, 10 years even seems like a long, uh, too soon for, for, for real clarity uh, at the top uh, from the, the regulators to, you know, give that, give that to us. Do you think we'll see it end up being more on the side of legislation comes out now that ends up having to be um, repealed or changed later on? Or do you think it's going to be a, a slow burn to try and find the correct thing before it gets, you know, passed into law? Just your opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, if something finally does come out, um, I, I, 
nothing in me feels like it's going to be anywhere close to perfect. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, generally, you know, things change, things evolve, you know, up, there's updates every year. Uh, uh, ASCPA dumps new stuff on us all the time. Uh, but I do see, like, as with the volatility of the asset in general, <laughs> I think the regulation, when it finally starts coming out, uh, will be volatile as well. Um, uh, you know, especially considering that, um, the, you know, blockchain technology and crypto, I mean, these solutions are all being, they're all evolving as we speak. Uh, they're changing every day. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it, if, if, in, if in five years we get some kind of clarity, finally, uh, mm-hmm. I think it'd be far from the final version uh, uh, after that point. Yeah, right. I, I, I agree with that. It's, 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 it's complicated. And I, I just know when legislation or even the IRS guidance comes out fresh and new, I'm going to read it and I'm, I'm going to be frustrated. I know it. There's, there's nothing's ever going to be perfect. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult too, because you know, you guys brought it up, you know, if you've, you know, even if you were in the space in 2016, a lot of people started coming in 2016 and then 2017 is when it all blew up for, for people that yes. had no idea um, but are in the game, you know, a lot of people are still kind of st- standing there holding the bag from 2016, 2017. They made no trades. They're just, they're kind of sitting on it and trying to figure out what to do. Um, you know, I think, how do you sort of break down when your cost basis may be from years ago? You know, is that something that's, you know, easy to manage in a tool like Node40? Or is it something that you need to really dive a little deeper into when you have multiple years spanning of those UTXOs? Yeah, no, it's uh, that's what the tool is for. The Node 40 balance is built to answer those questions. Yeah, and I'll add, I'll add to that. Um, sorry, the the more the that that tool. I mean, having that in place, um, the sooner the better. I mean, at the end of the day, I think um, as long as you uh, are, are have great transparency, um, and uh, I, I again, I, I can't say it enough. I love the uh, spec ID push here, um, and I think that's ultimately what would be most accepted. Um, by the ASCPA going forward, but as long as you have a clear sense and like you can you can get all your data aggregated in one place and you can show uh, you made an honest best guess here, I think you're you'll be fine. But uh, right. it just would take a just take a little time, a little bit of an investment to get things set up. And yeah, yeah, I think I think build your case and whether you're an individual or a business, uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's that's your best bet here. And then as far as um, uh, new rulings that do come out, I, I do feel generally as long as you're not doing anything crazy, um, you know, this 1031 like kind exchange, for instance, um, if some ruling does finally come out, I think it, uh, I think these rulings will be more forward looking and they'll be forgiving on past, past uh, classifications. So, yeah, I think uh, in summary, just make sure you got a clear picture uh, as soon as possible. And yeah, I think you, you'll, you'll uh, provide yourself some assurance that uh, will be coming. Will come in handy when the time comes. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that's the you know, defense is the best offense in this case. Um, so just to wrap this up in a neat little bow for people that are listening that may be thinking now about their own tax situation, um, you know, kind of in a rapid fire manner. Uh, in your opinion, is there a real um, benefit to FIFO, LIFO? Can you guys give a little bit of a, a synopsis of where those different strategies apply and what they are thought, how they're thought of maybe in in the industry? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say my thoughts and then Guthrie will probably say better thoughts. Um, I, I think 
with 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 on blockchain transactions, when you talk about UTXOs, I think Stack ID specific identification is really the way to go because you really are, you, whether you're doing it or a wallet is doing it for you, you are choosing which UTXOs are going to be factored into a transaction. So you can't make an argument that you, you're you using FIFO. I'm sorry. Okay. I probably just upset a lot of people listening. You, you can make an argument, but it's harder to make. I mean, especially when you're saying this is the piece I'm moving over here, but you're treating the piece as something else. So spec ID, when you talk about on blockchain, UTXO based blockchains, then yes, that spec ID is the way to go. There are blockchains that are not spec, um, not UTXO. Look at Ethereum, for instance. Ethereum is account based, yep. right? So then when you talk about account based um, experiences, whether that's on, on blockchain or through an exchange, because exchanges, they're not dealing with blockchains. Exchanges, this is something a lot of people don't recognize, is that when you buy a Bitcoin on Coinbase, you didn't buy anything. You What you bought was a promise that Coinbase will eventually give you a Bitcoin if you ever want it back. Yep. But imagine a situation where you buy a Bitcoin on Coinbase, hold it for two years and then sell it. That Bitcoin never, ever existed. Right? So and, until you withdraw it from Coinbase, it doesn't exist. So that being said, those account-based and exchange-based sources of your transaction, you can choose FIFO, LIFO, HIFO, LOFO, these whatever crazy strategies, we support many of them. Yep. Um, and you would want to do this in certain cases. One, one example would be a common use case is I buy uh, or, or somehow get a piece of Bitcoin. I bring it down from an exchange into my, my hardware wallet. At some point, I'm going to want to cash that out for whatever reason. I want to buy something. I, want to need, I need to pay taxes. I need money. Mm -hmm. So I transfer it up to an exchange. And maybe I transfer, I'm using some altcoin. So I got to transfer it to Bitcoin. Then I take that Bitcoin, move it to another exchange that my bank account is linked to. And then I cash out, right? So that's, that's a very common use case. Buy a Bitcoin, send it down to your Trezor or Nano, Nano or whatever. Bring it back up to a, an exchange, change it to Bitcoin. Or, I'm sorry, if you have to change it to Bitcoin, change it to Bitcoin. Move that Bitcoin to another exchange. That's very common. So in that case, you might want to use LIFO for the exchange that is just simply converting quickly from your altcoin to your Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so you can. So what you're doing is you're kind of guaranteeing that the thing I just put on that exchange is the thing I'm converting to that exchange. So so LIFO makes sense there. But does the IRS agree with this? Who knows? I think Guthrie probably has a much better insight into what strategies to use when. Gotcha. So. I'm sure you can speak better. Yeah, yeah, happy to jump in. And I'll just say, um, I think uh, at the end of the day, if uh, we were all just to stick with one, you know, it would be spec, spec ID. It's the most flexible. Uh, it's the most audit friendly. Um, it's it's the way to go. Um, and what, no matter what kind of business you're in, um, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've dealt with cost basis in a lot of regards. I used to manage... Um, cost basis for acre, uh, acres of vineyards um, uh, around the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, and whether it's that or, you know, simply cost basis around selling pencils, um, having the, having spec ID, like a way to really do that, um, you know, gives you that flexibility to be able to, uh, uh, you know, tweak your, 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 your tax liability or tweak your financials in a way that, you know, maybe this year we need to appeal more to investors. Let's like get our, our, our revenue up. Or yeah, no. Let's um, let's 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 uh, mention earlier. Let's uh, go ahead and pay a bigger tax bill. So like later on, we can worry about less uh, of, of, a, of a tax liability. But uh, you know, my in my opinion, uh, if I were to rate uh, my preference, uh, and I think it's obvious, Spec ID is number one. 
Uh, second would be HIFO, highest in, first out. Third would be um, because of the nature of the asset. Uh, and also, I'm extremely bullish. You know, I think uh, I think we're going to see 100K Bitcoin next year. Uh, LIFO, <laughs> LIFO would be the my next, be- next best uh, choice here. Uh, you know, simply because, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be selling um, uh, at all times the last purchase asset. And so you're, you're, the difference between uh, the cost basis and the gain you've realized is going to be much smaller. FIFO, it's the, I think it's the easiest, actually, um, and uh, it's the most conservative. And I think the IRS, uh, would, they, they do generally prefer, um, at least in my experience, um, uh, FIFO. Uh, but it's the least at, uh, advantageous as a uh, individual or a business, um, uh, because uh, you know, yeah, like if I if I sell a first in first out Bitcoin from like you know seven years ago, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, that's as, as, you know, especially in December 20, 2017. So um, yeah, I, I would steer clear from FIFO as much as possible, and I think in all regards, you know, spec ID is the way to go. Yeah, definitely. You know, from this conversation, being able to kind of dig into each UTXO, figure out which is moving, what the actual cost basis is, what you're selling for. That's definitely the most accurate way. And, you know, to your point, you guys then can say to the IRS, hey, well, this is my strategy. This is how I went about it. And even if they don't believe that was the perfect way of going about it, you feel like that's a good, um, a good argument to make. Yeah, they want you to be consistent and they want you to make reasonable decisions. It can't your your motivation for making decision cannot be purely economical. Mm-hmm. So if when it, when it becomes purely economical, it appears as if you're trying to get away with something. But if you are approaching it from the perspective of consistency and reasonableness, you're probably going to be fine with the IRS. And you have all these records, you're you're prepared to give that to them. You know what you did. The IRS is not going to be concerned with you. They're concerned with people that are legitimately doing something wrong. Right. So people who are, you know, purposefully and with intent, hiding, misreporting, et cetera. Yeah. They're not using our system. They're not trying to pay their taxes. So it's a different audience, really. Definitely. And so I think the the thing that I wanted to wrap up on is if you're a person who is sitting at your chair right now and you're listening to this podcast or you're watching on YouTube and you think back, well, I've been in crypto a long time, maybe even back to the 2009s through 2013s. And I've potentially years of time where I didn't know what to do. So I didn't. What would be your advice to people in that place? Oh, it's simple. Um, So in order for you to use spec ID or or for that case, FIFO, LIFO, HIFO or whatever, Mm -hmm you really need a complete picture of your entire history of trading. So when we get that into our system, it, uh, going back to what you, you asked for, for pricing, um, the, our, our, our model, which is a yearly model, mm-hmm. it, it's not based on tax year. If, if you paid $75 today and you have trades going back to 2013, for instance, you get all that. You can download your 8949s for 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Like we, we're not pigeonholing you into, well, you want, you want your 2013, give us another $75. That's, that's not the model we're going after here. It's, it's, you ha- you can use our system or you cannot use our system. It's not like pieces at a time. So you, you have to have that historical data in order to understand cost basis. So if we need it anyway, why not just give you the information you need? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, at least for me personally, based on this conversation, you know, I want to go back to the drawing board. I've learned a lot from this, um, but I definitely want to give Node 40 a try and see, you know, mm -hmm. try how much it can simplify, take the stress out of it and, you know, making more educated decisions. I think that I preach that on my social media channels as much as possible. You know, I'm not a trader per se. I'm a developer and a tech dude, but the trades that I do make, it's all about, I want to make the best possible decision because that's the way my brain works. So, right. you know, that's, that's definitely something interesting. So where can folks find you guys? Uh, what's your website? And I'll link it up in the descriptions and stuff too. Yeah, it's uh, node40.com right and you can get everything you need right there. Um, and again, like I said, I'm very reachable. Um, oftentimes when you call and you schedule like a demo or you, you just need to talk to somebody, a lot of times I'm on that call. So I, cause I want to know what our customers, uh, what their questions are. The, the roadmap of our product itself is, is crowdsourced. It's, it's you, you say you need something and we find a way to put it into the roadmap. We, we don't think of what we, it should do. And then we do it. We ask you, what does it need to do? And then we do that. So the more I talk to people, the better. As a CTO, it's important that I rec realize what it is our customers need. Excellent. I'd love to hear that. So um, other than calling up directly, are there any other ways so, like social media? Are you guys active there? Yeah, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I, I think we're pretty much mostly active on, on Twitter because that's what everybody likes to use. That's the spot. Um, cool. Yeah. So I'll definitely link you guys up down in the descriptions in the podcast description and on YouTube so people can find you. Um, folks listening. Thank you very much for your time. And I really do hope that you'll check out Node40 and see how they can help you uh, with your personal tax situation if you are indeed looking for a tool like that. Um, so with that, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Guthrie, for spending time here. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank 100%. you. 100%. Cheers, guys. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.